Good day and welcome to another episode of InsureTech Business Series. Um, happy to be here and thankful for the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, my name is Damola Oloko. And of course, my name is Fulini. How are you guys doing? How are you, Damola? How are you today? How have you been? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm great. Uh, uh, so before, before we go into, uh, what we're going to talk about today, I want to ask you, like, I'm sure that a lot of people, uh, on this, uh, podcast listening now, I've been asking, what, what exactly is for me? Please, can you elucidate? <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a so, few paragraphs. Um... Polymi is like a brand name, right? So um, it's more or less like, you know, when you develop like a nickname and you build a brand around the nickname. So that's what um, Fulumi is. Basically, my name is Fee Follower. Okay. For those that are really curious, um, okay. Fee Follower Olorumala, but it's just I use them Fulumi more for most of my, you know, um, um, you know, brand and all of this, um, appearances. Yeah, uh, okay. I was going to ask you, Damola, uh, how do you feel about your presentation coming up? Ah, well, <laughs> it's, 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 it's exciting because, uh, so it's, it's my first, you know, um, public, uh, presentation and nice. so yeah so it's, it's it's quite interesting and i'm looking forward to it actually yeah, and i mean it's, it's uh, looking at the 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 list of speakers uh, that are going to yeah. be at, at, at the event is it's really really interesting and and a honor for me for to, to be a part of it and uh, you know i'm going to be talking about um the customer experience and the need for us to take it to another level so and it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's an area <coughs> yes it's really important mm-hmm. and it's, it's an area that i'm quite interested in because insurers okay. need to really up their game in that aspect right because uh, it's part of the things that would push uh uh more penetration and and convince people really to buy insurance you know so wow. so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting and uh, so basically really um, audiences are going to get like the most out of the particular presentation oh and, yes you know, yes yes definitely definitely yeah i i definitely in fact i trust me i the, the program is going to be very interesting and it's, it's, it's looking at it from, from the African perspective. So it's going to be quite, quite, quite interesting. There are a lot of people that are, that are there and that, that I've, I actually look up to and, and being in the same, um, panel uh, with them is going to be quite interesting. So, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I want to be like you now. I was, uh, <laughs> you, you, you are, when you are big, you are big, you know. Yeah, you are making presentations. No, no, no. Uh, we'll, take, international we'll, take the, we'll take this off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we can continue. <laughs> we can continue from there. Okay, which, which brings me to the fact that um, today's, you know, topic is actually quite an interesting one. I mean, you're talking about customer relationship and, you know, customer experience in the insurance space. Yeah. I think it's something around um what um, you know our guest speaker would also be speaking to, right? Um, um which is really, really a good one. I mean, this is like the time now for us to hammer on all of these things. Customer needs are changing, demands are changing, there are disruptions yeah. in the insurance industry and all of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what do you so think yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So uh um is quite interesting, like you said, because uh, our guest today, Brian Falchuk, he yeah. is is an insurance professional uh, with years of experience in the uh, American industry, working with insurers, working with insurtech, and uh, he has a book and. Uh, the, the name of the book is The Future of Insurance and mm-hmm. he, he, he really looked at the um, at it from the aspect of moving from disruption you know, to evolution and yeah, you know yeah. looking at that it, 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 I mean right now I'm, I, I'm quite curious as to what he would say about evolution because 
I mean, I've always had the the you know the buzzword around has been disruption, disruption, disruption. disruption. So, you know, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, so if you say evolution, it's quite interesting. So uh, I want to hear from him, and and you know, I'm sure that even the listeners as well would enjoy that conversation because uh, from the, the conversations that I've heard as regards the book, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a different spin to how he. he approached you know writing the book you know for example yeah. talking to talking to insurers you know mm-hmm. directly you know mm-hmm. so having conversations interviews with them and then bringing out the book taking that bringing out lessons from it so uh yeah. you will be sharing some of those lessons from the book with us and i know that uh we'll get a few things from there all right so um don't go anywhere we'll be back yeah Welcome. Yeah, thank Brian. you very much for having me on. Yes, pleasure to have you. How are you I'm doing? Doing really well. All right. So how how has it been? The lockdown and the pandemic has affected yeah. life. It, it definitely has. Um, you know, there's lots of struggles all of us are facing, health and economic and otherwise. And it's also created some new opportunities. I think a chance for us to try new technologies, to try different ways of interacting and to recognize that we're all people. You know, when you start connecting Mm. to people in their homes, instead of in a corporate setting, you realize they have children (laughs) and pets and other things. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's, that's great. I mean, definitely there's a lot of change that's happening around the world. Right. And, I mean, the insurance industry is definitely not left out. I mean, I think the change is has really just been accelerated with the pandemic. And I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we're going to speak a little about your book. Uh, but before we go into all that, can you tell us a bit about yourself, you know, your journey in insurance? You know, I mean, 20 plus years in the industry, working with insurers, the InsurTech. Tell us, you've done everything. Speak, TEDx speaker. <laughs> So I, um, yeah, as you said, 20 years in the industry, always PNC. I've I've never worked in life or health, Um, but I have worked in lots of different roles and different functions. So I've gotten to see, you know, really every different piece of a carrier operations, underwriting um, strategy. And most recently, I was a chief claims officer for a carrier in the U.S. Um, So I've gotten a really rich sense of what it takes to do well and where we can make mistakes across the board. Um, And I've gotten to see a pretty global perspective. I will say I've not gotten to work in or with the African market at all. So I'm, I'm also kind of curious and excited to talk with you just from that perspective. Um, But after my, after my carrier experience, I spent a year with an insure tech startup, Um, not a carrier, but an enabler for carriers providing communication services and and solutions for insurers that frankly right now is incredibly important to be able to communicate digitally. Mm. Um, So it's just created a really rich understanding of of the industry as a whole. Mm, Right. Um, I mean, to to get that discussion off the ground, right? I mean, you mentioned I've been working with that InsurTech startup now. Um, so, I mean, conversations uh, started off uh, earlier during, in the year, you know, when the pandemic just started, you know, about insurtechs and insurers, you know, should insurtechs be looking to disrupt or to collaborate, right? Yeah. So, w- w- what's your own, uh, your own take on all of that? Oh, it's, I mean, the disruption question is really interesting one and it, it ends yeah. up being, it's part of my book title, but it's also kind of a buzzword and a lot of people get very heated about mm-hmm. it. I think... Another way to look at it is if you want to call it disruption because it changes how we've worked, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we've had change to the way we've worked forever in every industry and insurance is one that definitely needs it. So instead, I think it's more about how we can evolve and take the examples from those who are doing new things. Uh, You know, rather Mm -hmm. than seeing it as a threat that we have to fight against. And I think the word disruption can bring with it, you know, a sense that you have to kind of put up your your hands and, and attack. Um, so that's when you said like collaborating and partnering. I think actually that is the path. 
So let you know, let's work together to try to find ways to change what the end insured gets to experience because they're the ones whose lives are affected by the losses. Mm. So we should stand mm. better. Oh, okay. So talking about collaboration and um, I mean, you mentioned disruption also in the industry. The future of insurance from disruptive to evolution. Would you like us to tell us uh, more about the book and um, why do you think we should move part of it to the evolution part of it? Yeah, sure. So the book, um, it, it starts with a discussion of the situation that we all find ourselves in in the industry, whether you're an insure tech or a legacy or incumbent carrier or, or someone who serves carriers. And that's uh, a, a change in customer expectations. And this is really global and it's been very rapid because the way that people work with different businesses in their lives has dramatically changed. And insurance by and large has lagged. And I don't think people are willing to accept that anymore. Customers may have given us a pass in the past, but not so much anymore because so much of their life has moved to a more digital, responsive, customized kind of approach. And at the same time, a lot of insurers that have been around for a while have a lot of constraints around their systems, around culture, politics, and you know, things that hold them back. Yeah. And the startup carriers don't have many of those constraints. There's regulation that everyone has to face. But if you're a newer carrier, you don't have a 40-year-old system that even, you know, even mm-hmm. with the newer core system, you probably still have some mainframe system operating somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it... There's a lot of things holding us back from responding to customers. And I think much of that actually boils down to leadership and culture and the decisions that we make more so than the actual technology or the regulations or anything like that. So the the book then moves into a study of seven different carriers who were very open with me. I talked to them directly and got the stories from them of something innovative that they've done in this context, despite all those constraints that we all face. And the, the point being, like, listen to the stories, read the, the cases and find some inspiration where you find yourself in maybe a similar situation. Something that they did the way that they did it can then inspire you to find your own path forward. Mm. Mm, right. I mean, uh, I mean, what, what, what is it's interesting the, the angle that you came with uh, the book, right? Speaking to the people themselves right instead of you know just doing your research and what is already available everywhere and just doing your own spin on it uh is it am i getting a sense now um around the world right with the whole uh, conversations around need for digitization and have we seen a a move from for insurers or system executives moving from a more conservative uh, way of doing things, uh, being more open to discuss, to to be, I mean, vulnerable. Yeah. What, is that what you're seeing? Yeah, right? I love and that you use the word vulnerable. Just, just before you answer that, is this yeah. also applicable to the global insurance market? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsureTech Business Series and stay updated. Yeah, great, great points, and I think they're, they're intertwined. So the case studies are all set in the U.S., um, Okay. Which, you know, it's a common bias in uh, in this industry that that's where we tend to look there or maybe continental Europe. <laughs> but what I didn't want to do is to, to that point exactly is to make it a U.S. only story or even to make it a specific technology story. So there's none of the takeaways have anything to do with technology or particular regulations or something about the way consumers in that market choose to you know to buy things so it really is not Mm. while the context is the u.s the lessons are universal and to be fair they're not even specific to insurance so there's three Mm. major takeaways and they have nothing to do with tech or insurance the first is about your customers so actually connecting and this is where the vulnerability comes in i think the the right word is humility really is to admit that you don't you don't know (laughs) everything 
and you need to ask your customers and you need to listen to what they say. And I don't, I don't think that differs by continent. I think people's willingness to do that may differ or it may differ by company or by sector or something like that. But the reality is still a reality. If you're not listening to what your customers are actually asking for, you're not going to succeed ultimately anymore. The second one is about your people. So again, with yeah. humility, like the CEO does not have all the answers. And I have seen a move in some carriers, it's still early days, but a move to be more um, empowering to the people, letting the people yeah. run with these things. And this is something I think does differ more by geography. It definitely differs by company, but I think you have some cultural, like I lived in Asia for a while. I, I definitely will have seen differences in the way the leadership and employee relationships can work there versus the US versus my time experience in Europe. Okay. Um, so I think culture can make the, um, the ability to apply this or the likelihood to apply these rules different, but I still think the lesson is universal. You, your people, your employees are the ones who are dealing with customers every day, who are working with the processes that are standing in the way, who are missing the tools that could help them be there for customers at you know their time of need, which is what insurance is about. So I don't think it matters what country you're in, what language you speak, whether your employees should be actually driving the charge of change. Okay. Mm. okay. Um, claims is... Is a is a big issue right now, uh, especially looking at um, the pandemic and the lockdown and how businesses have been affected yeah. and the likes. Now, I mean, you see that, and this is something that is not just in America; it's around yeah. the world. You know, even here in Af in Africa, uh, in different countries here in Africa, where there are reports around uh, insurers, you know, refusing to pay and business interruption claims and likes and same from the fact that hey this thing is is not stated it's not pandemic is not is not yeah. covered right I, I mean at the end of the day this is a situation where none of us ever planned yeah uh, for it to happen nobody saw it should insurers be looking at this in a different way and say hey why not we be there for these people and you know we can retain their loyalty or i mean that's how i yeah. see it but what do you think I, I think it's really, it's a really tricky, it's a tricky position because um, ultimately the reason why you exist as a carrier is that promise to stand by your customer when something goes wrong. And then a contract and law comes into it and that, that complicates it and that can make it, um, you know, in some cases, it, it's not impossible to cover it, but in covering it, you create coverage for everybody. And then you have mm. to wonder about whether you could survive that financially. And the reality is with the amount of economic activity stopped globally, I don't think most carriers would survive that. So mm. I, I have a, a few thoughts on this. One is, unfortunately, in most cases, there is enough clarity in the coverage that it genuinely isn't covered. I worked mm. my claims team and the carrier I worked for, our general position was to try to cover everything. We would always look for mm. how we could cover it. And if we genuinely couldn't, and we really did exhaust all of our options, um, like even kind of coaching the insured in how they talked about the loss, you know, we'd be like, are you sure mm. it wasn't this? Because this is what's mm. covered. And you know, I give them respect. A lot of them are like, no, that's not what it was. It was this. And I know it's not, <laughs> I, I appreciate the ethics, but we tried very hard to find coverage when we really couldn't. It doesn't mean you turn your back on the insured. And I think that's, what's important is what other things can you do to stand by people? What ways can you provide support if your policy can't? And um. that may include working with regulators and working with a government. Right. So, you know, certainly in the U S and in Europe, um, there's a very strong lobby for insurance and that lobby should be working with regulators in the government to find paths to create more coverage because the worst thing for mm. everybody is for these businesses to go under and it's already been happening. But what we don't want to have happen as a society mm. is for all of our, and it's primarily small businesses that are most at risk, you know, these small businesses to go out because that's the lifeblood of communities. And once they start going out, then you have people who don't have money to buy things, which means 
mid-sized businesses start going out and it's a chain reaction so yeah if you genuinely can't cover it you can't cover it if it's gray i think you need to stand by the intention and that's we had a saying if it's gray we pay and and i think that's the right way to do it mm-hmm. now is not the time to be looking for ways to get out of your obligation as a carrier okay mm-hmm. if it's gray we pay so i could um you know from what you mentioned i could take i took out like two questions so you yeah the first one has to do with your customer right you mentioned that you have to regardless of the fact that you're able to cover um whatever losses that um, you know the insured must have incurred you should regardless stand by them so what would you say about that in an environment that the insured does not trust the insurance company that's one and two um in terms of coverage working with your government and regulators okay so we've always had an issue here about yeah. um, regulators using the compliance approach rather than collaborative approach so how how exactly would you say we should work with you know the regulators and government in terms of providing more coverage for the customers like how how do we bridge that gap between yeah um compliance and collaborations with this bodies so. yeah so i mean this is definitely one where countries and and the political norms will differ um so it's you know it, i can speak in general terms but there's still going to be realities in in each market in each country that these things may or may not be applicable or they may take more time um but one of the most effective things that i think we can do is working with the government collaboratively to understand what is the impact of these losses so whether insurers mm. can cover it or not they at least have done modeling on the size of the business interruption cost so that should be the basis for a discussion with financial advisors economic advisors and any government to try to understand what is the economic impact of what's going on and then governments are incredibly interested in that and they probably have their own models but i'm sure they would be interested in seeing more data around this and trying to size it up so i think that's the entry point and then the discussion is what can we do in the same way that some governments have done with terrorism coverage um what sort of or flood coverage what sort of backstop can we create where there's a public private partnership and frankly at the scale of this it's probably going to take public funds to create some measure that's not really economic stimulus package but it's sort of a, a way for the government with maybe the administration of the carriers to be able to respond to these claims mm-hmm. and it may not be able to respond dollar for dollar but it could provide something and that something may be enough to keep the businesses afloat so that's sort of a, a pool a fund mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so if the government can put together that fund and carriers can use it to administer the claims then you know they have the mechanism for responding to these claims but they're they're either not covered or you know it's contentious for some but that creates more of a path for paying for the claims at least you know for some percentage of what comes through and then what you could also do is is look to a long-term premium tax to try to generate the income to pay for that fund So putting the money up up front is difficult and so that I think that does rely on public funds but for the public funds to be repaid there are mechanisms to look into that and not all of these things are viable in every market so you know some people may be listening to me saying well this is crazy sure mm-hmm. but it's an idea and the point is to start those discussions is we're not trying to not stand by people politicians are not trying to look like they don't care about their constituents they want to be reelected yeah so mm-hmm. coming together actually becomes really like that's the most important thing to any politician is staying in power mm-hmm. um anyone really and any executive as well you know the ceo doesn't want to be pushed out so i think recognizing that and trying to say look we have a shared problem and we don't have a good answer because the contracts are the contracts the regulations are regulation and the mechanisms aren't there none of us saw this coming so what can we mm. do together other than bad mouthing each other or forcing each other's hand mm. all right um so going back to i mean i remember uh, you mentioned uh, those three takeaways right and going back to the customer i mean the customer is central to insurance a lot of push for digitization and the likes is 
because the customers uh wants and demands are, are changing you know how they want to be served is, is is different now like you mentioned that i mean they might be they might have in the past you know allowing some things but today they are more demanding and asking for a lot more things and yeah. I, I mean um so from your experience or maybe you can share some use cases from your book uh so what what kind of trends you think i you are seeing or you think you'd be that we'll see in the future in terms of um that customer experience you know from yeah. end to end yeah, not just not just in the on the onboarding aspect where other parts are, are still the same you know? Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsureTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Yeah. So I I think that, um, and this is actually one where I think the U.S. is behind. I think there are a few key themes that come out for where things are going. And there's a lot of talk about AI and drones and things like that. And that's all mm. fine. Um, and blockchain, that's out there. But your point on the customer experience, I think that's the real battleground. Mm. Um, and the reason why I think the U.S. is behind is mobile first has been the story in so much, so many other parts of the world Asia, Africa, Europe, texting yeah. was much more widely adopted. Yeah. Africa and, and Southeast Asia, especially people had mobile phones. They didn't have computers. Yeah. And and that might have been their first phone. So mm. they're used to transacting, whether it's through text or early WAP, you know, the, the early websites on phones mm. or the modern version of them, like the full internet on a phone. This is how people want to transact. And it's it's a better experience for the carrier too if they're willing to adopt it because it opens up so many more possibilities because now if someone's if someone's interacting with you on the smartphone you have the capability of launching all sorts of other tools self mm. self-adjusting tools self-inspection tools mobile payment there's so many things that you just could never do in the way that we used to transact and even on a computer a desktop or laptop it's still more cumbersome because you can't, mm. you know, you, you can't take a laptop or certainly a desktop and start inspecting a loss that inherently needs to be on a mobile where you have the camera and the device can move around freely. So it almost frees you up more. And mm. I think outside of the U.S., because mobile adoption is further along or it's a more primary means and that's the U.S. is catching up. But I think that's a strong place to look. So things like um, in the underwriting process, how are you gathering evidence um, using cameras and just the mm. fact that people have so much documentation on their phone anyway, and they're yeah. connected to their bank and to other institutions. So using those connections with APIs yeah. to, to bring things together so you get a single seamless transaction. I think that's, that's one, and you can do that in claims as well. Um, mm. The other is the whole ecosystem idea. And again, the U.S. is far behind in this and, and really always has been thematically. But you look at like Southeast Asia where Grab is, um, you know, a really common ride sharing solution and, and does so much more food delivery and lots of other things. They have a whole ecosystem with their app that brings in things like coverage for insurance mm. and, and other services. But it's like you've gotten a ride to an airport you're probably traveling somewhere. So wouldn't it be appropriate to try to surface travel insurance at that point and to have that transaction completely seamless so it's a single button for us? Mm. These sorts of ideas, which back to your point before, Damolo, that um, about partnering, you yeah. can't do that on your own. Mm. And that's something that I think in the US, they're starting to wake up to that, but maybe the carriers have been historically too strong and powerful to mm -hmm. recognize you know what we can't do this we need <laughs> to work with the leaders in these spaces and i've seen more of a willingness outside the u.s to do that sort mm. of thing because mm. people don't want to have to do 10 different interactions across 10 different providers yeah for the yeah. same thing yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. okay so um um in terms of um culture 
a director mentioned for partnerships. So um, I'm just going to give like um, an instance of what happens here. So um, I sort of work in a life insurance company and we have policies like, you know, credit life, uh, mortgage insurance and all of that. So um, having to partner with, you know, the banks, the banks are usually bigger than the insurance industry in Nigeria. Yeah. As of today, so um, partnering with the banks, the um, they we having like a constraint in terms of, you know, policies and you know um, integration with all of this partnership integration yeah. in the sense that um, because the banks are bigger than the insurance industry, they are trying to call the shots. Yeah. So mm. how exactly do you manage those kind of collaborations where you have your own different policy for? Um, the, I mean, a different regulator for the insurance industry, and then you have a different regulator for the banking industry. And because the banking industry is bigger, they always want to be the exactly. Yeah, and and also and also on the on the tech on technology front as well. I mean, yeah, uh, the banking industry is ahead in terms of technology adopting technology compared to the, the insurance industry. So how do they play? How- yeah, I mean, it, it's like it's like running a race as a group. You're only as fast as the slowest person, so mm. that becomes a constraint. So that one of the cases in the book is a workers' compensation insurer called Employers. They used to be a state entity, so they were part of the state of Nevada. They were essentially insolvent, except that the state was funding their insolvency, mm. um, and just so far behind on technology and and lots of other things. And they've really transformed. Um, One of the things that the case is about is their AP, their use of APIs in distribution. Mm. And, you know, this is another place where the balance of power is skewed. So yes, the carrier has a lot of power, but actually the carrier has no power relative to the distributor. And, you know, the relationship is so distributor focused. So it's mm. whatever the, the broker wants you need to do. They want more commission. Yeah. <laughs> they have, right. And they have their systems. And if you can't work with their systems, you can't mm. have their business. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's different than dealing with a bank, certainly. But um, there is that power difference. And you have to cater to each one of those brokers individually and their own nuances and differences. But you can't actually do that and survive because it's it's too fragmented of a way to operate so what employers has done is they've taken a really good approach to their api development to connect to these brokers and new forms of distribution or new kinds of partnerships and it's they use you know agile method which is just not new in technology you know it's it's been in it for a while now Mm. um but they're very structured in how they go about implementing changes to their APIs, new features and developments as they bring on more partners. And that API set has become very stable, but also very dynamic because of how they've been building it out to meet the needs of these partners without disrupting the whole thing. So I I think the technology is there today to have easier ways to interface with even harder to work with or more demanding partners. Um, but you need to start building it that way from the beginning and keep plotting that path. If you take each one of those partnerships as a one-off, you mm. might have success with one, but what can you do when you get to the next one, but start from scratch. And that's not, that ultimately won't win out. So creating that flexible way of interfacing mm. should allow you at least some of that power back or some of the ability to be responsive. And if you're responsive to them, they will probably be more responsive to you than your competitor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, like I like, like we've mentioned and we've, we've seen around the world, um, everywhere the push for digitization is 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 almost uh, non-negotiable. Right? Yeah. And one thing that I, I I am beginning to see is that with all of these um, ideas, you know, they talked about you know, insurance as a service. Right, it's a usage-based insurance, you know, parametric insurance, and I see that some of these things, if we go deeply into them, yeah, you see that they they actually would begin to question the very principles and foundations of insurance that we've known, you know. And I mean, just to uh, quote uh, the title of of uh, Rob Galbraith's book, you know. It would mark the end of insurance as we know it, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, so, 
um, I mean, I don't want to play the devil's advocate here, but yeah. is it a good thing? It's, it's, I mean, long term. No. I so I think it is. Um, it won't be a good thing to people who don't like change or who, <laughs> you know, wish we could continue on with what we've always had. But the reality mm-hmm. is, this this notion's not new. We've had change to the way insurance works forever, mm. um, and every generation of change looks scary and often we it's it's overthought so when i was starting in the industry the the war cry was agents and brokers will be gone mm. you know within a couple of years thanks to the internet you know this new thing that's come out the internet we we won't be doing anything with agents and brokers it's all going to be through these portals and um, mm. exchanges and things like that and that's not happened but there are now these exchanges and portals and aggregators and things like that so we have the change and we still have the old approach but the old approach has evolved mm. so i think there are places where newer ways of covering and handling claims or you know new completely new kinds of of insurance will emerge and it'll be different from what we've done before and what we've done before may shrink as a market as a result of that mm. but it's it's not happening instantaneously so this is where we get the chance to evolve we can make right. the choices to participate rather than getting angry about it or claiming it'll never happen. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's what Rob's intention is to bring yeah. light to these things so people can start to shift. I think parametric that you mentioned, yeah. that is a brilliant idea. Um, and again, if you go back to why you're in this industry, it's to stand by people at these moments where their life is turned upside down. Mm. You mm. should be thankful for this because yeah. it means instantaneously without any discussion or debate or mistrust. Yeah. Um, if Falumi, you, you talked about the adversarial interaction before, like we, mm. you know, we don't trust the carrier mm. that goes away because yeah. it, if event X occurred, you already knew what you were getting. It happens mm. and you're done. Yeah. That's a good thing. Um, carriers don't like litigation. They don't like <laughs> having to go to mediation or anything. They want the issue to be settled. So I think ultimately this is good. And then the question becomes, how can you participate in it? Mm. To me, that the bigger um, existential crisis maybe is around autonomy okay. and self-driving cars. Mm. And yeah. actually, you know, the a lot of the predictions i think are far off about how soon that will be the norm that people will not drive or even own cars anymore i think maybe one day but it's not five or ten years from now it's still quite a ways out yeah but then personal auto insurance is no longer a thing it's product liability (laughs) insurance right it's who wrote the the code Mm -hmm. for the ai Uh, yeah um so the insurance isn't gone but it's shifted. So if you're a personal auto insurer, you should be looking at this and thinking mm. about as that change happens, which will be a progression over time, mm. where do I stand in that? And do I try to partner with the car makers or do yeah. I spin up a product liability or E&O practice so that I can take on that exposure instead of just going away? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just it just tells of the importance uh, of partnerships. Really, I mean, we talked a lot about technologies and uh, you know innovation and how things are changing. Right? We don't know it all. You know yeah. that humility. Yeah, and saying okay, yes, we want to go into uh, cyber security insurance. Right? So let's hear from the experts. Let's partner with them here. Okay. Where are the risk uh, risk points? How can we provide? How can we, you know, play better in that in that space? How can we partner with the car in, in car companies? You know, with the Teslas, with the Nissans, with the you know, and see yeah. what goes into creating uh, making those cars, right? And now understand the customer from that point of view. So I, I think, I mean, it's it's it's, it's an in- interesting time to be in the insurance industry. I must yeah. say, uh, yeah, very interesting and. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed. I don't know about you, Fulmi. Thank you. It was yes. It was very, 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 very. I really, really appreciate the wealth of knowledge you brought here. Oh, um, thank you both. Fantastic. And um, I I really wish that um, you know you find time to come down to Africa as well, and you know see what our market has to offer. I'm I'm so curious about it, and I think it's a really it's a really interesting market because it has the chance to skip over a lot of 
honestly centuries yes of, yeah. um and and skip ahead and, and going mm-hmm. back to that mobile point like you guys yeah. have have an enabler in your fingertips that mm-hmm. most yeah. of the world maybe barring southeast asia just didn't mm-hmm. or asia as a whole didn't have so yeah. i'm really curious i think actually africa could be a hotbed of innovation on the customer experience side because of that yeah yeah so uh before we let you go can you uh so how can people get your book is it out yet it's out yeah yeah so um it's available globally through amazon so if you go to your local amazon store um you know you can search for the future of insurance and you should find it um it's also yeah, available I did, at... I, I, I did i actually saw it um like a couple of days ago oh on good Amazon. good yeah. <laughs> um and you can learn more about it at future-of-insurance.com and i link to the international amazon stores there as well um okay. but yeah if you if you go to amazon you, you can get it there and it's on uh, kindle and audible and uh, paperback as well all right amazing how can people connect with you linkedin twitter yeah, um, I'm at Brian Falchuk, B-R-Y-A-N-F-A-L-C-H-U-K on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and everything. Um, and you can follow my insurance stuff at, at InsureEvolve. All right. Oh, great. It was amazing speaking with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very Brian. much. It's my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So take care. And do stay safe. You too. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the new segment in today's episode of InsurTech Business Series. My name is Fulimi. These are today's news. Ghana's largest insurance enterprise, Tambika BTC, has holding apply for insurance license. The four firms will be called Airs Insurance Limited General, Tambika BTC Insurance Limited, Airs Life Assurance Limited, and Enterprise Life Assurance Company Nigeria Limited. This would increase the insurance activities in Nigeria. Pillar partners with Lagos Ministry of Women Affairs on fight against rape. The women in insurance under the umbrella body of Professional Insurance Ladies Association, popularly known as Pillar, has partnered with the Lagos Ministry of Women Affairs and Poverty Elevation to help fight against rape which has become increasingly a concern in the society. Pillar believes that as professionals in insurance, they could support government in creating awareness that protects the rights of women, as well as helping the vulnerable amongst them to speak up when abused. Insurance industry assets rise to $1.61 trillion. The combined assets of the Nigerian insurance industry rose to $1.61 trillion at the end of the 2019 financial year from this was a growth from 1.26 trillion in 2018 according to the nigerian insurance association in that's nia in its 2019 report declared that the total business underwriting in the industry rose, rose by 15.55 percent from 413.8 billion in 2018 to 490 billion in 2019 and we've come to the end of the new segment thank you and stay tuned so welcome back guys i'm sure you enjoyed that particular conversation with brand it was i mean now you understand when we say evolution so yeah. it doesn't seem like an alien word anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been able to break down what he meant by, you know, um, evolution in the industry rather than just, you know, the regular disruption that we've been talking about all along. What do you think, Damola? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a, a great point there. And, you know, the lessons from the book, you know, about innovation, about humility, yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. are things that, um, you know, insurers, even in this part of the world, you know, should begin to look at, you know, when they are um, re- <coughs> 
rethinking their processes and their strategies you know because uh, at the end of the day you have to rethink the way we do our business because the customer has to be central to everything that we're going to be doing going forward the customer centric uh, uh, um, you know insurance and also putting the employees as well uh first in terms of bringing them into the decision process you know helping like the internal customers right yes yes exactly mm-hmm. you know because those people are the ones that are on the field those are the ones that are doing the work exactly yeah, yeah. directly yeah. so yes your management and yes you make the box stops at your desk yes but those people are the ones that if you make them part of the decision process they can be innovative bring out innovative ideas that can move it, the company even you know to to better heights so so a more open insurance industry you know mm-hmm. to to innovation to new ideas is what we really need in in this part of the world which is true so do you really think that um evolution is the right word to you know um define the growth rate expecting in insurance industry you know disruption is saying that we're going to um they are like going to be you know really uh i don't want to say sudden changes that would change um you know the way we do things generally so uh, are you going to say that evolution would be like the best way to describe the growth in the insurance industry uh well uh like like i said earlier i mean you you have a point when you talk about evolution and i mean brian did a good job there Uh, mm-hmm. but i still look at it from the era of disruption because the truth of the matter is that a lot of this technology innovation that we have been talking about and have been seen around the world in china in in, in india in the us mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. europe some of these technologies and ideas they are going to actually question some of the principles of insurance that we have known for a long time to, exactly yes right so <clears throat> i am seeing it more uh, 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 in terms of disruption because things will definitely change right uh, and it's going to be uh, and I, i think that the the, the thing is uh insurers uh, don't want to hear disruption because if it, it sounds like they are going to be taken away from the table like you're just going to be replaced right? yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, i guess uh you know evolution is, is a more subtle and uh, uh inviting way to put it but well, I, I still think, to... okay no um yeah no. yeah so i still think i still think that it's going to be more or less like a, a, a disruption because uh it with i think we need a hard reset right uh, mm. because what we are doing right now doesn't work and we need to change fast you know evolution is like gradual and but we need to need to change fast because already we are playing catch up to other industries in nigeria and then even other insurance com- industries around the world even other parts of africa you know so uh, so i think it's more of like a disruption that we need actually mm-hmm. Okay, well, um I I think I'll just make out two points from what you said and also what Brian has said. So the first one in terms of disruption in Africa, especially here in Nigeria, I think that's about what we need to, you know, shake up some of the things that we've been doing for a long time, like all of those traditional ways we 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 buy policies, we rate policies in terms of pricing, yeah. you know, data collection and all of that. So yes, I think that disruption for Nigeria especially is like the right way to go. However, um from what Brian has also said, you know, um from moving from that disruption to evolving, I, I mean that's evolution. I think that mm. over time when these disruptions are taking place they will get to a point where would now start to evolve so after a lot of um a lot of people have you know disrupted this industry i, I guess uh, i'm i'm guessing anyway that at a particular time there's going to be stability when you now have people growing gradually 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 to a particular point where we don't know maybe there might be another disruption who knows but mm. I, i think we're at that phase so i'm i'm you're correct and um also uh-huh. brand is equally very very correct yeah. 
yeah so so yeah let's i mean at the end of the day what we want to see is change right yeah and mm-hmm. and that's part of the reasons why we're having some of these conversations and engaging industry professionals you know to, mm-hmm. let's have the conversations and begin to think begin to innovate because that is the future if you want to remain relevant you know so so yeah it, it was quite interesting and i'm sure that uh our listeners really enjoyed that yeah so um thank you very much um for you know first of all like to thank Brian thank you yeah, for coming yeah. on it's amazing thank you yeah and to our beautiful and amazing listeners thank you all over the world thank yeah. you so much yeah it's amazing it's amazing uh, we have people from from Uganda Kenya South Africa here in Nigeria US Australia you know we're global your presentation I mean for those of us that are interested we'd like to know what platform where exactly you know it's going to hold yeah so uh, the the event is uh, <clears throat> digital innovation and insurance uh, conference uh for africa uh so it's it's going to hold virtually actually and is organized by west african business school and mm-hmm. african bank assurance academy and so mm-hmm. they're okay. putting it together and the roll call is 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 amazing dr kera is going to be there aparajit mm-hmm. actually is going to be there uh one of oh, our wow. previous, previous yeah he's going to be taking a keynote um, presentation as well there so so there's a lot of people that that, that are going to be there uh, as well um the uh, yeah. founder of wella health as well is going to be mm-hmm. speaking at the at the conference uh, as well yeah. so uh it, it's interesting uh, so one of the um conversations i'm going to be having during the conference is uh, is a fireside chat so i'm going to be having a fireside chat with with uh, the founder of bsmart so bsmart is is an is, a, is an insurance aggregator in in kenya okay right so oh, okay. so they sell um insurance virtually you know aggregating insurance for people to be able to buy easily and faster and so i'm going to be having a conversation with with the ceo and the founder and i'm looking forward to that as well and and to learn about some of the innovative ways that they are doing uh their business we'll talk about the kenya market as well and mm-hmm. what they are they are up to recently so so yeah i'm looking forward to it Oh, oh, that's fantastic. So for everyone who might be interested, you could just contact us on, you know, our LinkedIn page. Yeah. And then on Twitter as well. And, um, you know, some of our other social media handles. Yeah. Yes. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And see you next, next time. time. Bye.